Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the levels you want them to be and enjoy the life of small business ownership. All right, Trinity, one of your favorites again. We keep doing a wonderful, all these wonderful favorites of yours because you're a process and procedure kind of gal. I love processes which served you and well. systems. And if and I'm learning from that, and if more people would learn from that, they would be better. The sales funnel and what it means, why it's so important, and this is kind of tied into a couple episodes to go, our, a couple episodes ago, our feast and famine episode, because if your sales funnel is not full, you're going to hit the famine stage of life. Yes, you are. As a realtor, what does your sales funnel look like? Well, first, I'd like to talk about what a funnel is. Yes. And the, I was sitting here thinking about funnel cake. Which leads me to think about the state fair. But yeah, go Yes. Ahead. <laughs> well, and I was sitting here, and this is complete. I'm going on a tangent here, but why the heck do they call it a funnel cake? I don't know. Huh, Scott, I don't like either. Chime in? Do you I, know? Do, I do know. Go it's ahead. because they use a funnel to put the batter in the fryer. Oh, oh, and that is why it's called a funnel cake, because they use a funnel to put the batter in the fryer. And that is why you married Scott. And that is why I married stuff. Scott. He was on the previous episode. He's sitting in here listening to us. And now I know that not only does he drink, but he also knows things. So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, she does mention your food porn addiction on the yes, food network. Yes. And the Gosh, he watches yeah. so many of those little <laughs> YouTube videos on how to make stuff. So when I think of a funnel, the first thing I think of is why do we use a funnel in the first place? And it is so we can take a massive amount of something, usually liquid, sometimes mm -hmm. non-liquid, and we can filter it down into a small opening. Yes. And that is a sales cycle. You have a massive amount of initial prospects, contacts, leads, whatever you want to call it, that you are putting through some sort of process. And if you're not putting them through some sort of process, you're probably missing a lot of sales. Yes. But you're putting them through some sort of process to finally get them to pop out the bottom of your funnel as a committed, sold, signature on the line paying client. And in real estate, what that looks like for me is I have actually two different types of funnels that I put people through. So I work 100% by referral. And what that means is I have one database of people that I keep in contact with who have agreed to refer me. So the first thing that I ask those people is, do you have a real estate agent that you would refer to? And most of them say, yeah, I do, or my cousin was a real estate agent or whatever it is. Okay, well, those people I'm not going to market to. And then the ones that don't have an agent, I ask them if they would be willing to refer me if they come across somebody who's thinking about buying or selling a house. Like and that. those people say, okay, yep, um, absolutely would agree to refer you. And those people go into my marketing funnel of people that I keep in contact with to remind them that I am a real estate agent. So when I'm marketing, when I'm doing my calls, notes, pop buys, and keeping in contact with people, I'm keeping in contact with past clients and this group of people that have actually never bought or sold real estate with me, but that have agreed to refer me when they come across somebody, going back to our reticular activator, it's my job to be top of mind, not their job to be out there scouring the universe for potential clients for me. So I have one cycle, one filter funnel per se, that is purely for people who are 
potential referrers of mine. And then I have a second funnel that is for actual people who might be interested in buying or selling. And that's my sales funnel that I put people into. Now that could be a potential seller. It could be a potential buyer. They might be needing to do both. And those people have to be put in another funnel. And then from there, I'm taking them through, you know, a buyer orientation, a listing consultation. That's going to be the step where I'm qualifying if they're actually a real client or not. And occasionally they're not a client for now. So I take them out of that funnel and put them back you know, in the pan of oil to be put back in the, in the funnel at some future point, or, um, maybe you take them out completely because they're never going to become a client. Maybe they decide to work with a different agent and eventually those people are funneled down and turn into closed real estate transactions. The email list I'm on that talks about all the listings you have out there. That is my prospecting funnel. Oh, Yes. So that is not necessarily because the people that are getting that email list, I'm like, hey, put your hand up and buy or sell a house. That's because those people that get that email list have agreed to refer me. Yes. And that's to keep top of mind so they remember, oh, this is the real estate agent that I agreed to refer. Okay. I understand that. Yep. It, it sounds simple, but to actually do it week in and week out... There's a lot that goes into it. That's usually, we talked about this on the, a couple of previous episodes. One is the feast or famine, and the other is the difference between marketing and selling. Usually, that's the first thing to go is the marketing. They quit doing that, whether they're very busy, not so not busy. Not so busy. But that's the first thing to go. Well, and I think back to the number one reason why people stop marketing, and you just mentioned two of them. But I'd say the number one reason people stop is because they find success, they get too busy, they're not quite sure how to scale. And if they don't know how to scale and take care of those clients, that's going to cause them to stop future prospecting. We just had this conversation today with one of our coaching clients. He is gearing up for the new year. He's supposed to be going out and basically creating a, a template of what he's doing to generate leads, but he's been really hesitant to actually get out there and do it. So we started asking him a bunch of questions. And five questions deeper, we find out that the reason that he's afraid to go out and go back out to these networking events is because he had three clients that all fired him on the same day. So it's not that he is afraid of the rejection right out the gate. It's that he's afraid of getting a client that's paying him and then going through all that effort and work. And now they're no longer a client. So we really had to do some digging to help him figure out, okay, what is going on in your head? And now the next couple of sessions, I anticipate that we'll be talking with him about how do you overcome that and still get back out there and get over that fear now of having that have happened. And in fairness to him, they were all unrelated, which took us three questions to figure out how they all came about. Totally unrelated. Two, he never saw coming because they were totally out of his control. Right. And that some of those, there's nothing you do but do about it. You just swallow that nasty pill and move on. Yep. Who is a part of your sales funnel? Who helps you keep that? full um for for my sales funnel mm-hmm. or for so for my sales funnel in real estate real estate yes um my referral partners are what helps keep my sales funnel filled so i have the people that have agreed to refer me my past clients and my referral partners if i'm not keeping in contact with them 
frequently enough, that sales funnel starts to dip off. I notice a huge difference when I'm making my phone calls and keeping in contact with people and attending my networking events, that that pipeline will fill right back up. But when I take some time off, you mean maybe to get married, <laughs> which we talked get about. Get married. Yes. That when I get married, it's going to be tied to more podcasts by 2025. Oh man. But it, you know, <laughs> but it, it's a great example. It can happen to anyone. It could be that you got sick. Um, we had a client that, um, her sister was working for her and her sister had cancer and she, that kind of threw her through a loop and she was really helping to support her sister. It was an, it was a distraction. And anytime you have a distraction that takes you away from marketing and filling up that sales funnel, you're going to feel it on the other end. Yes. You're absolutely going to feel it. Depending on the industry you're in, you, you're likely not going to see it on a Thursday or Friday. If you didn't, if you took two days off, right. you're not going to see it then. But three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks out, all six like, months why? from now, mm-hmm. and then you got to backtrack. Oh, that's right, I stopped doing. I this stopped then. doing the thing. So, so the number one is that people get too busy, or they have some success, and somehow that burns them, and then they stop doing their marketing. The other thing that happens is they are prospecting and trying to fill that funnel, but they're not doing it well, and they're not seeing any results or any traction. And that's something that sometimes can be fixed and sometimes can't be fixed. Because if you have a product that you're trying to sell, product, service, whatever it is, and nobody is biting, then you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, am I just not doing enough activity? Mm-hmm. Which our podcast that we're talking about next week, we're talking about how do you figure out your levels of activity and the numbers that go along with it, um, which... Yeah, I'll dork out. Love the conversion can't, rate. When, can't wait to dork out about li- that. And actually, I'll join you dorking <laughs> out on that. When life comes down to a simple math equation, oh, you can explain it, you can touch it, you can taste it, you can understand it. No geometry, no algebra, no trigonometry, just simple, simple math. math. If I do this five times, I get two. Two of these. Just, that's how simple yeah. it can be. So yeah, so we'll both geek out on that one. Next Perfect. Week. Yes. So can't wait to geek out with you. <laughs> Rarely um, does that happen. <laughs> but when you are looking at some of the causes of that pipeline, funnel, whatever you want to call it, sales cycle drying up, if you are looking at the root cause of what's happening, either you're not doing enough of it or you're not doing it well enough. And it's really as simple as that. You're either not doing enough of it or you're not doing it well enough. And you have to sometimes talk with a coach or talk with somebody else in your industry or find a good mentor to figure out which of those is the scenario. Because if you're not doing enough of it, if you're what you're doing, you're doing well and you're getting results from it and you're just, you surely just don't have a that's an easy fix. You just have to go out and do more. If you're doing it, but you're not doing it well, you might need to get some additional sales training. You might need to reach out to a sales trainer. You might need to get a sales coach to get you so you're doing it better. Because there's nothing more frustrating than doing the work, but not getting the results from the work that you're doing. And you being from the great white north, you'll understand this analogy. I've been told fishing is fun. I've yet to see it, but I've been told fishing is fun. But a lot of the, the analogy is a lot like that. You're in the wrong body of water. There's no fish there. You've got the wrong bait. All kinds of things could go on. So it may not be, it could be you, I guess what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. It could be you. It could be the message. It could be 
if you're looking for lawyers and you're at a, a networking event for uh, homeschoolers, eh, you might find a lawyer, but that's not where you're you need not, to be. Go yeah, find the fishing in the wrong Go find pond. the pond where the, I guess they're bass in ponds, right? I know there's yes. like a trout run upstream. Okay, yeah. bass in the pond. Fly fishing. Yeah. Yeah, I've, if you're. I've heard of those, yeah. Yeah. You guys like that stuff. I love fishing. I'm, I know you would, so I think you'd appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Before Christmas, I finished Bill Davis's 100 Days to Abundance, and it was outstanding. It gave me great clarity. And I, what I've learned as I get older, if I go hear somebody talk, I'm not going to remember everything they said for 30 minutes or an hour. It's just not going to happen. But if I can walk away with two or three nuggets, I'm good. Because he, he explained the woodpile theory. And we've talked a little bit about this, and I yeah. love this because I can wrap my brain around this. This all started, it was based off of Laura Ingalls Wilder, going back to the Midwest, which is where you're from. I love those books. Exactly. They're back in the 1800s, they planned for winter. Year round, they plan, how do we survive the winter? So you've got the forest. Think of your prospects as the forest. There's, we want to find small business owners. There's 10,000 small business owners in the Triangle area. That's our forest. Now we've got to go cut them down, move them to the outdoor wood pile, which becomes a prospect. So if we sent out an email and somebody responded back to that email, they told us then, I kind of like what you're talking about. I'd like a little bit more info. So we would move them onto the outdoor wood pile. They've not been treated. They've just been identified. So all the trees you cut in the forest are laying on the outdoor wood pile. They've not been treated to bring in yet, but you've cut them. Because in the winter, you can't go cut trees because everything's frozen. You just can't do mm-hmm. that. So you, you have to then, you've got your outdoor wood pile. So now we talk, now we have a meeting with them. They're like, you know what? I think we want to do business with you guys. We move them to the indoor wood pile. So it keeps shrinking through that funnel, but now you're getting to the qualified prospects and then eventually you get them on the fire. But I just, I love that. So now visual. we're burning our clients. We are. We love them. We're going to get their money. They're, we're going to burn through their money. But I don't think that's the way it was written. Yeah. So, but you go from the forest to the outdoor wood pile to the indoor wood pile to on the fire, which means you are they are a client of yours. How about we're helping helping them catch fire? Sure. Yeah, we're helping Let's their business catch fire. We're doing yes, that. yes. It's going on everywhere else. We may as well do it too. But so. anyway, anyway, you anyway you chuck it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all about how you identify and define your sales system, sales pipeline, sales funnel, um, sales cycle, whatever you want to call it. I love the woodpile analogy as much as I tease you about it, just because (laughs) I'm picturing Little House on the Prairie and getting out there and donning those boots and my little furry hood and getting out there and cutting down some trees. But yes, let's go through what the parts of the sales funnel are for our for our fun listeners who love listening to our, our wired listeners. wired to change podcast, <laughs> that was a trinity of our funnel listeners. Funnel listeners, oh, that's why you, I pointed you tried. Out. Yeah, you I tried. Know, if you have to point it out, it, it really wasn't funny. that funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The stages or parts of your sales funnel, um, the very top and biggest part of the sales funnel is where you're putting in your prospects, your leads, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is somebody that you probably haven't spoken with, but they might fit your target market profile. Mm. You may decide yes or no that they're worth pursuing and you're going to keep track of the most low hanging fruit of these to follow up with and hopefully turn those into a prospect. 
and be careful when you are given a name or you meet somebody to identify them as a suspect or a prospect because they can be different. They may tell you, oh, yeah, sure, give me a call. That's in, they don't ever return your call right. when you call them. So there's a difference just because somebody gave you a name and said, oh, yeah, this person's interested in X, don't assume anything. Once you have that lead or which is the forest which is yes. the forest yeah. then you are going to find out from there who are your prospects those are people that could actually be interested in your product service whatever it is that you're offering hopefully you can set up some sort of appointment or whatever the next step in your sales cycle is for me this is where i would be setting up a buyer orientation or a listing consult for mike and i within the coaching realm this is where we sit down and we actually do an hour initial consultation to find out is this person a client potential client of ours or not so that's that's where that person would fall in our sales yes. cycle in that prospect category there's two there's a number of groups of people, but there's two groups of people, people that can do business with us. They would, they could benefit from coaching. And then the other group is they want to work with us. And there's a big difference because, oh yeah, I'm a golfer. I need a new set of golf clubs. Okay. That's different from, Ooh, I want to buy, you know, the Wilson irons or the Nike irons or, you know, like that. So I'm looking for people who want to want to do business with us. They may need coaching, but they've met us. They've listened to our podcast. They understand how we're wired to do this. Uh, uh, but they want to do I business with us. I see what you us. did I'm there. Uh-huh. I didn't even have to explain that one. <laughs> that one was funny. Thank you. Mike made a funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one for 12 today. <laughs> All right. So once somebody meets with us and they say, yes, Mike, I would love to be a coaching client of yours, then they move into which part of the funnel? They go to the indoor wood pile. The indoor wood file. I love it. Yes. Which is, it can be, yes. Back in the day, it was either right inside the cabin or right outside the cabin. So you could open the door, reach outside and minus, what'd you guys survive in? Like minus 40 to below. Yeah, Michigan, it was terrible. I love the fact, and going back real quick on a side note, is how difficult it was to live back then. And we complain when we're sitting at a red light, I don't have any cell service. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, people. Shut up. So yes, a qualified prospect. Yes. We we woke up, Scott had turned off the heat like at some point yesterday because we've been having um, a North Carolina yeah. winter, which means that it's 70 during the day and 30 at night. And we woke up and it was so cold and just thinking about what it would take to go out to the outdoor wood pile and mm-hmm. not just grab my phone and turn on the nest. Yeah. I mean, I love you, but honey, it's cold out there. It's so cold outside. Throw another blanket on there. So once that lead or suspect turns into a prospect and then you meet with them and then you find out that they actually could potentially do business with you, that is when they become a qualified prospect. And at this point in the cycle, it's really important that you talk about the budget. And I know that this has been something that we've worked with a lot of clients on because for whatever reason, they have a little bit of hesitancy to talk about the money piece. Mm -hmm. Because once you talk about the money piece, it means that you're actually going to ask them to pull the trigger. And that's where most people have their next fear hesitation because at both points in this process is where people can face the R word. Ooh, rejection. Yeah. Nobody wants to face rejection, but 
It's a natural part of the sales cycle. And if you are not receiving some sort of rejection, it means you're not putting enough people in your pipe. And I know, I know you're about to ask me, do I know anything about rejection? Which I do. In high school, not only was I on the newspaper staff, but I played tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Not with the in crowd. Still had fun in high school, but yes. We've talked about this earlier as well. Just because somebody tells you no, that's not a reflection. Usually, that's not a reflection on you. That could be no, not right now, or no, you're not solving the problem I have. And your company may not be, or your product may not be able to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're bad at what you do. It's just... I don't, I don't have the need for your service right now. So that's the other thing is you're talking to these prospects is are we, and when we meet with people, are we solving a problem of theirs? Cause we all got problems. You could be second in the world in something, but you got a problem on, you know what? I'm not first yet. How do I get, you know, how do I solve that problem? So a lot of times when you, when we meet with people is we're listening to them, asking them a ton of questions to figure out, can we solve that problem? For mm-hmm. them? And a lot yeah. of people's like, well, here's what we do. No, no, that's not good enough. You got to listen and see if you do something to solve a problem they have. Yep. That's all too true. I had a woman reach out to me via Facebook um, because I was tagged in a post um, by one of my networking partners. And the person that was initially the postee never responded to me, but somebody else had read through the comments and reached out to me. And I think she was a little blown away by the fact that I didn't pounce on her and instantly tried to start selling her. I was asking her a ton of questions about what was it she was looking for. And it turns out she's looking for somebody to help her put a system in place in her business. And it's like, oh, I know somebody that can do that. (laughs) But (laughs) but that's a part of putting somebody, you have to know your sales process and know who your ideal client is. Also, because what we've seen is if you let somebody through your sales funnel and pop out the other end that's not your ideal client, what happens? You end, oh, I know what happens to you as a realtor. You end up with somebody that's trying to sell a $120,000 house instead of a $520,000 house. You're going to do the same work. And, oh, that's all I got out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you wind up with an ornery client who doesn't want to listen to you, or it turns into a big to do because they're just not a good fit for you. And then, and if you don't ask enough questions, you find out, oh yeah, you'll be the fourth realtor I've worked with this month. <laughs> yeah, big red flag. At that point, yeah. it's no like, longer. Wow, time. It's like, go. oh, you're that client yeah. that nobody wants to work with. No, Congratulations on being the world's biggest dick. Yeah, yeah. But, that, it, but going back to your point earlier, that's why you have to make sure that the right people are in your sales funnel. Yes, you do. Because once they get past that qualified prospect phase and you've agreed to, you need to make sure that you have agreed to a budget, um, you need to make sure that you've identified the actual deci- decision maker. Gosh, I tell you what, there is nothing more frustrating than losing a sale because you think you've got it in the bag only to find out that you didn't ask all the questions to get to that mm. the true decision maker. I had that happen in real estate. It sucked. Wait, did you talk to the husband? No, no, I talked to the wife. The husband was in a um, a care facility and I should have gone over that day and met him. And he decided to go with the agent that he'd known for years and years and years. And their house sat on 
the market for years and years and years. So, mm. yeah. Did that come up in conversation? You would have. Yeah. You know, the wife still refers me. She's super sweet, but I, I dropped the ball. I made a rookie. It was my rookie mistake. I should have gone right over that day and met him in person and not just relied on the relationship that I built with the wife because ultimately it wasn't her decision. And I did not ask enough questions and get deep enough in there to find out that it was, it, it was him. I needed to be um, have him on board. We ran into a problem when uh, my brother and I owned the commercial cleaning business. We got an account and the owner that I met with, we agreed on everything. They liked what we do, how we cleaned, our references, everything. And we thought, sweet, it could be a nice account, good to work with, good communication. And we were a couple weeks in and all of a sudden we're getting emails. We had never met with the office manager. And it was the office manager that was in charge of all the pet peeves and all this mm. and all that. And we still weren't doing anything wrong, but her standards were, we never had a conversation with her. And that's one thing we always ask is when cleaning, what are your pet peeves? It's usually the bathroom. A lot of times it's the trash, it's the front door, it's the vacuuming, you know, whatever it is. But we try to identify that up front. So we know each time we come in, make sure that's clean and stuff like that. And we just, man, it just, oh got back because we never talked to her. I didn't even think to talk to her. I thought the owner would probably give me that feedback from their gotta, office manager. Gotta know who work. it is. Yep. Nope. And so from then from then on, okay, who's running the place? Who the is owner. in charge? I want to know who's in charge, yes. And it's usually not the owner. Nope. All right. So once you have figured out that this person is actually a potential paying client and you have dealt with your red flags to find out if they're going to become a client of yours, then that is when you pull the trigger and find out whether or not they are going to turn into a closed transaction. And at this point is where I think a lot of people miss all their future sales because I think what happens in the post-closing, the post like what happens after the sale is just as important as yes. what happens because you might have somebody that had a bad experience. Maybe they had a bad experience with one of your staff or your employees, or um, you thought everything was hunky dory and they're on the other end going, I hadn't, I was so confused the whole time. So you have to follow up and give good post service because it is so much less expensive to retain a client than it is to go out and get a new one. I was just going to say that I worked uh, in a previous life. I worked at Daytona International Speedway. And if anybody listening knows John Graham, the former president of Daytona International Speedway, we got lectured on a regular basis from him. Folks, it's a whole lot easier and cheaper to keep a, a current client than go find a new one. And when you're trying to sell 150,000 race tickets, he was right. But it's true. Those are your best referral partners. Yes. It's like you want to say they clean, they sold my house or they clean my business. That's the ultimate referral. Yeah. And if you are not having some sort of good post-sale follow-up, then you need to make sure that you 
put one in place. And yes. it's not difficult. It doesn't have to be anything too crazy or over the top. For me, my team calls after each real estate sale and interviews the person that I had a closing with to find out how the process went. So I have an unbiased party that's calling them to get that feedback. And it's been great because it's not me calling to give the feedback. They give real honest feedback. And then I can find out how my team is doing and are we performing and are we doing all those little wow factors along the way. And the client appreciates that. They do. Just a simple one week later, five weeks later, hey, how's everything going? How's everything going? Just want to make sure that everything's going great. We haven't forgotten about you. And it just makes a world of difference in client retention and future future referrals. It's the little things. It is. And that client stays in the good sales funnel. Yes, they do. Not, and they don't get booted out. No. They don't get uh, chucked a, from the funnel. Not at all. One of the things that we've talked about on previous episodes, and it ties into this, at the top of the funnel is the lead generation. What are you doing? How are you going to get the numbers? How are you going to find the people? Are you networking in the right places? Are you fishing in the right ponds? And a lot of people don't spend enough time, and we did that today with our client, uh, about he had three lead, he had three revenue generating tasks he was doing for 2020 because that's what you got to do to keep the money coming in. Mm-hmm. What's generating revenue? And how are you finding those people? And you find them a hundred different ways. You have your social media, you have your networking, you have your previous clients, you have the resources of Hunter Rowe mm-hmm. uh, and the team that they, the name they built in the in the marketplace. But yeah, how are you getting how you get your how are you getting your name out? How are you going to find these people? Yeah, and that is always the number one question that we get when so um, I host a monthly networking event with my very handsome partner Mike Manning it's called Wine and Wisdom that is you and at Wine and Wisdom we have a guest speaker that comes in every month and it might be one of us it might be um, another coach it could be somebody who specializes in social media I mean we've had a huge range of different people come in and speak at our event and the whole premise of Wine and Wisdom is that we liquor people up so they enjoy listening to us and <laughs> we, we, we yeah That's and then we, the we give them something a nugget or something that they can walk away from so not only do they get to be surrounded with like-minded individuals and business owners and they get to meet cool people and they get to network we call it networking with a purpose because we have fun games and ways that we're mixing them up but we're also providing them with some sort of value that they're going to be walking away from. And that's one of the main ways, you know, I'm not doing that out of the goodness of my soul. Yes, it Mm -hmm. is. It is a value that I provide to my community. I love building my community, but I get a lot of business from these events that I'm hosting and people come to that. They see that, you know, I've got my act together. Um, they don't mind that I drop a couple cuss words here and there. So I know that they're going to be fun clients that I'm not going <laughs> to be annoyed working with because when she is this fan, you know, there's times that, um, real estate gets a little hairy. There's times today. I mean, I think our, one of our coaching clients today dropped like three F bombs because yeah. it's, I'm it good. can be stressful. I'm a golfer. I'm good. Yep. Um, so being able to fill up that funnel, whether it's you hosting your own networking event, whether it's cold calling, whether it's, you know, your website and your SEO search or whatever it is, 
the number one reason that businesses fail or people fail is because they don't have the lead generation and the prospecting down. And I'm sure at some point we'll bring on um, a guest and talk about prospecting and lead generation because I polled um, everybody to find out what they wanted for the wine and wisdom topics. And one of the main topics that everybody wanted me to bring a specialist in to talk about was lead generation and prospecting. And because you can't have a funnel without it. You can't skip to stage three if you have nobody in stage one. Correct. Most people, and we've worked with enough small business owners to to make the general conversation, the general statement of most of them don't know where their money's coming from. They have have little to no idea where all their clients from, what's the connection to that. If people go back and look at on our next episode, we're going to be talking about your conversion numbers, how to track that, what it means and what to focus on your If everybody goes back, their last client, their next client is going to come from the referral source of their last client. Usually, for example, if you meet a mover and they give you, oh, I've got, we're getting ready to close deals on these three people moving to North Carolina, or you get them early enough mm-hmm. and they get you two clients that are moving from North to North Carolina, your, the next morning you get up, you should not go look for CPAs or bookkeepers. Go find more movers. My, yeah, absolutely. Keep, just run that artery all the way out to you. I've talked to every mover in the in the 12-county yes. area. Don't invent something that's not there. If your last referral came from a mover, go talk to 10 more movers. Yep. It's just, it's that simple. But you got to know that. You got to know, that's why you have to know where your last client came, came from. Absolutely. 110%. It's simple. A lot of things we talk about is simple, but it's not easy. But you have to track that because... We were laughing earlier with Drago. I mean, we're old enough, man. We worked hard. We want to work a little bit smarter. And if we can track, man, my last seven accounts came from this source. Hey, what are you doing for dinner? Or what are you doing for lunch next week? (laughs) Go talk to him again. It can be that simple. But you've got to keep the sales funnel full to stay out of the famine stage of small business ownership. And we talked about this on our Feast and Famine episode when you are on top of the hill, that's when you start doing your deep dive in what got us here and what do we got to do to stay here. And keep it going. And yes. then then you can eat all the funnel cake you want. Oh, so good. Yes. Nothing but sugar and you sleep. Yeah, that'll put you to sleep at night. That will put Whether you to sleep. Whether it's 30 degrees and, and they forgot, Scott forgot to turn the heater, you know, the heat on or not. So you're off the hook on that. If you so, will go, go ahead. I was just going to ask where people could find us. <laughs> You're beating me you, to it. You can find us uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you will like, share, and subscribe, we would appreciate it. There, Our podcast is still relatively new, so we're trying to grow our viewer base. And we would love it if you would listen and then share it and tell all your friends. And send us a, a suggestion at info at wiredtochange.com. And tell us what you'd like us to talk about next time. If you have a guest idea for us, a topic idea for us, we are all ears. Because we, again, going back to what we talked about a number of times, we want to solve a problem for you. So if there's something and, you have a question about, there's probably a lot of other people that have that same Yeah, question. and we're getting ready to um, schedule our upcoming guests on the show. So if there's a guest or somebody that you would like to hear from, or if you yourself would like to be a guest Ooh. on our show, Mike and I are all about grilling you and asking powerful questions. And so a quick way to get on the show could, or get my vote is to bring cookies. 
or a Biggie Sweet Tea. Biggie Sweet Tea, either one, and you'll you have my undivided attention. You're likely will get my. And vote. for me, it's probably a Tito's and water <laughs> or a Tito's Dirty Martini. <laughs> right. So there you go. Now you know our vices. <laughs> or a referral to sell a house. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we appreciate any feedback from you, but please uh, sh- like, share, and subscribe because, like you, we are small business owners trying to grow a business so we can all help each other out. And we appreciate any help you give us. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.